Welcome to the Expert Speak Podcast with Michael DeLon. Each episode features a leading expert who shares helpful insights, practical tips, and memorable stories that will inspire you, educate you, and help you enjoy more success, freedom, and purpose in your life. For the next few minutes, enjoy listening to Expert Speak with Michael DeLon. And welcome to another episode of Experts Speak. I'm Michael DeLon, and today I'm talking with Paul Teasdale. And Paul, thanks for um, squeezing me into your, your calendar, man. Oh, thanks for having me. An absolute pleasure. You're welcome. It is going to be a really fun conversation. Paul comes from a background of somebody I've not really talked to. Anybody with his background, he used to be part of the McLaren F1 Formula team. And that's kind of really exciting because um, I, I, I grew up in Indiana here in the United States, which was um, Indianapolis 500. And then, yep. they, then they changed it to the Brickyard 400, which was great. Then they added Formula One. So it's really intriguing. But he doesn't talk about race cars necessarily. He talks about accelerating your performance from what he learned in that world. So we're going to dive in deep here in a, in a little bit. But first, as we get there, Paul, tell us, how did you get from that to doing what you do today? <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, there's a big question. How did I get from making sausages and banking and uh, shipping containers around the world into Formula One in the first place? Uh, so that's my background, food manufacturing, uh, shipping, logistics, all sorts of wonderful things like that. Um, and then I spent a few years in New Zealand, worked for a big dairy company out there, and then shifted into banking, the world of business banking, mm. before making the decision to move back to the UK and that's where the McLaren um, story came in. Okay. And but my the thread that keeps it all together, you know, <laughs> what ties in sausages and uh, and and Formula One and banking and all these other other roles that I've had along the way, it's performance improvement. I've always been in the world of helping others to perform at their best. And uh, yeah, I got the opportunity. A friend of mine that I knew from university days um, happened to work in the simulation team at McLaren. So actually mm -hmm. running the simulation. Um, and building the simulator that the drivers sit in and learn how to, to drive and okay. get the feedback and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And, and and he, as I was looking to move back to the UK, we got in touch with a load of people. He was like, we're looking for people to take the McLaren ways of working uh, out to bigger organizations. And we're looking for people who've got that consultancy background, that sort of performance background. So why don't you have a word and come and join? Um, and that's what I did and joined the McLaren team, had an amazing six or seven years there. Um, taking those methodologies and those approaches to how you get that high performance out to wider organizations. And then uh, just about a year and a half ago, I went independent. And, uh, and that's what I do now to help organizations uh, by myself. I go out and I help large organizations generally, but I work with some medium size as well. And then I also work with individuals from a coaching perspective as well. Um, and I help them take those aspirational high performance elements that you see in the world of Formula One, and I make them accessible to people. Hmm. So it's like, this is what you see, this is what you could have. And by the way, this is the approach so that you can have that as well. And that's, wow. what, that's my firm belief is that everybody can access high performance. Yeah, that's really cool. Because if you've ever watched F1, Formula One on TV or IndyCar or something, I mean, there there is strategy, there's technique, there's organization, there's systems, there's all kinds of things to get those cars around the track, but in the pit, out of the pit, all of that. And that's that's what you're talking about then, right? Is bringing that into organizations and people's lives to go, you can accelerate your performance and be a high-performing organization like a McLaren or, or something like that. 
if if you know how to how to what what you need and how to implement it. Precisely. So it's things like uh, how to work with data better, how to make better decisions, how to set your organization up to um, to help make those best decisions, um, how to invest in the right types of data, because quite often that's a, a, a thing that people spend a lot of money on without doing a whole lot of thinking up front as to how it's going to be used. So yeah. uh, and then all sorts of other areas in between leadership yeah. lessons, all sorts. Yeah. And, and, and it's so important. And I, I tell my audience this all the time, Paul is you need an outside perspective to be able to really see your business the way that other people see it. Because we're too close as entrepreneurs to my company. I need somebody like you looking on the outside and going, oh yeah, Michael, you need to organize your business a little differently. Or have you thought about this? Talk, talk a little bit about that, of how you look into organizations when they bring you in. Maybe what are, the, what are they struggling with? And, and what kind of dashboard do you bring to the table to help them really grow? Yeah, so I mean, that's the first uh, conversation is what you're struggling with, or what the opportunities uh, that sit in front of you. Um, Because that's the approach that I take is like, what are the results you're trying to drive? What's the success look like for you? And what might be getting in your way? Mm -hmm. And then we go through a process of understanding what are the actions that are at your disposal? What are the things that you can do to push and pull that have an effect on those results? We talk about your people, so who are the people involved with that? The teams, the individuals, have you got the right people in place? Have you got the right teams in place? Are those people being supported in the right way? And then um, we get to the next level, which is about insights. How, are you giving those people the right insights to help them perform and help them make the best decisions in that, set, uh, in that state? And funnily enough, the last bit uh, is data. How do you uh, get the smallest possible data set to support those insights that help your people make take action and drive results yeah and that's that and that is often in itself a real sort of um, light bulb moment and, and switch for people to go actually to make better data-driven decisions i don't start with all the data that i've got i that's start right. with the results i'm trying to drive and work towards the smallest data set yeah and that's really good the smallest data set because too many times uh we think data and i mean the first thing i go is like ah it's going to drive me nuts <laughs> Yeah. Because I've got to have this massive, you know, I think about. Of a dashboard or, or something and immediately comes, okay, um, there, you know, everybody else has all the other data. But the driver is probably looking at a few, and that's kind of what I'm hearing you say is there may be lots of data, but you need to know the few that are going to move the needle and make it easy for you to, to, to make better decisions on the actions, the people, the insights, things of that nature. Is that is that fair? It, it is. Um, it's about the main bit, and I think the bit that people miss out on is, is the insights level, because um, actually I distinguish data and information from insights. Data is the raw facts and figures information is what most organizations deal with they deal with reports they might have a trend or a report as to what happened yesterday but what they're not presenting people with are insights which is presenting that information in a different way maybe combining different sets of information that actually helps with the decision right in front of them um, and all too often i'll sit in a um, in a meeting or i'll observe something happening when people are making decisions and they'll be looking at a report or looking at some data 
and they've got to go through some absolute basic level um, manipulation of that data within their own head or even sometimes scribbling down and going right uh, a great example of this I sat in a um, in a hospital where they were dealing with um, patients who had prostate cancer mm -hmm. and they were presenting a big board of about 20 people with here's the our individuals who were working with this month so we can all decide what to do with it oncologists uh, sort of phlebotomists and all sorts of people in the room first bit of information or data that's presented to them this individual it was born in 1977 and you saw the whole room just go head down pencils out what's 97 is that with 44 44 45 46 and it depends if it's this month and immediately everyone's heads down they're not looking at what's happening and their cognitive load is on something absolutely basic yeah and that age and actually it's the age bracket that matters that helps with the decision so present okay. that to people present people not with raw facts and things present them with things that help them with the decision mm -hmm. um, and that that makes a huge difference to people's cognitive load well-being their ability to perform right no that that makes a ton of sense and it's a little thing that can really move the needle because then Definitely. a I'm, I'm continuing to be engaged but b i've got my mind not working on menial things that are probably less important to yeah. go okay now i'm in the age group okay now what does that mean for the next piece of data and if i did that for every piece of data i bet i could reach a better conclusion faster or as maybe you would say more rapidly right <laughs> exactly so yeah and you would present that in a way where you actually particularly visually you know how do you get those visual bits this person is in this age group it's got you know these sort of attributes therefore the decision you know most of the decisions in in the past have, for people in this group have been to do this yeah so the decision then becomes not about what should we do when we've got all sorts of different options to us it come it, it's almost like why shouldn't we do the standard thing right um and then that is a much richer decision it's still it's not automation because you don't just say because of these you do that right. it's still having a conversation and bringing people's um imagination it's bringing their value into the com uh, into the decision yeah. but it's adding value to that decision it's not um having to go through all that cognitive load to get there well and it's good because you're not um in, in correct me if I'm if I'm wrong here, but you're not using the data to to make the decision. The data is, is helping you drive the decision, maybe, but the data is not making the decision. You are due to the insights that you bring to the table and the background. Is that did I get that? Yeah, yeah. So it's not uh, data. Uh, data um, automation really is that data yeah. says this input says this, therefore output is that. That's yeah. automation. That, that's um, actually getting the data to make the decision for you. And in certain places, that can work. But where you're adding value is to say, this this is what the data says. Now make a decision based on what that means yeah. to you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to frame that as data-informed decision-making. Precisely. Okay. That's that's really good. And did <laughs> <laughs> um, And so that, that helps. And But too many times... If you don't have somebody like a Paul working with you, you're going to default to the way you've always done things. Mm. And you're probably not going to make data-informed decisions. You're going to make data-driven decisions, which may not be as good or may not be as rapid in the development. And it's not going to help your performance really improve because that's part of the, the insight aspect of it is using your, your brain and your power to go, how do we take what we've, we're doing and how do we now improve on that? And that comes from 
systems and analysis and, and an outside perspective from, I mean, I'm sure the hospital people had never been in the Formula One. So no, you no. got this experience in making sausage and all that from all these other areas to look into this and say, have you thought about doing it this way? Yeah. Is that how yeah. you kind of work with people? Definitely. And I bring all those experiences from all of the different environments that I've worked in. And yeah. even, you know, in my time at McLaren, that was working with supermarket shelf stacking um, and the modeling and simulation of that. It was working with oil and gas drilling, airport operations, all of these experiences I can bring to the table and say, in your situation, it reminds me of a time that this happened. You know, it's a similar situation. It's not the same. Yeah. So here are the principles, here are the methodologies that worked previously. How could they work for you? And what would they need to be uh, adapted? How would they need to be adapted in order to be of true value to your organization? Yeah. And I, I, and I love this. And I, I love the fact that you, you have this framework. I'm a big framework guy. And you've got the, this rapid performance framework that you 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 mentioned, yeah. but we didn't we didn't really codify it in that framework. Run through the rapid performance framework. Just the what is it and the order and, and then why why do you do it this way? So I'm going to reverse that a little bit. And, okay. And come, yeah. So why do we do it? It's because people are overloaded. Um, they're overloaded with data and information. They're drowning. Uh, there's a great term of infobesity. You know, people are consuming data and information to a stage where it's not good for them anymore and it doesn't help them make good decisions and how it works in the world of Formula One. Yes, it's hugely data rich, but actually, if you think of that environment, and this is one of the big learnings I took, is that every piece of data that you generate from a car has to have a sensor and some form of telemetry in order to get that data out uh, in order to be analyzed and do something with it that sensor adds weight to the car therefore that weight has a negative impact on the performance so you've got to have this return on investment view as to if i'm going to get another bit of data off that car it better be worth it because otherwise it's going to actually uh, negatively impact the performance i'm trying to drive and so the approach is to start with results what are the results i'm trying to drive be very clear on that and there's a, then that isn't just as simple as i want to make money there are, you know, what's the regulatory environment that, that you are working within and um, what are your strategic objectives and what, you know, what do you want to, how do you want to be seen in terms of you, you achieving those results? And then the next level results, actions, people, insights and data. So the results, once you're clear on those results, you, I've got this results hierarchy that I help people build out. And that becomes very clear as to what actions have an impact on each of those areas. And then when you understand those actions, you can say, right, have I got the right people in place? Hmm. Have I got the teams and individuals who are best suited to make decisions on those actions and put them into action itself? And then it's the insights layer. Are those people getting the right insights? And then finally, it's this data. And you end up not only with a smallest possible data set, but also you can challenge, does my data need to be that, um, you know, Time, you know, we, we've got people who are, who are talking about, oh, I've got to capture data in it second by second, but your decisions aren't being made in that timeline. They're being right. made minute by minute or even day by day. So it doesn't matter if you've got all this data at the, at the minutiae, it's useless to you because you've got to aggregate it up anyway. So it's those sort of challenges that how do you get the smallest possible data set? And that not only sort of opens up people's mind space, but also is great from an investment perspective as well. You know, mm -hmm. if you're looking to invest in a new system, 
you know, it's like, oh, the more data I get from the system, the better. And it's often a decision that investments to which system is often driven by the IT team or a data group, particularly right. in the larger organizations. I'm trying to put power back into the more operational elements uh, of the organization so that they can say, this is the data I need because it helps generate the insights that my people need to make the right actions and drive the right results. That's great. And I, and I that was really clear on the sensor in the car having a negative effect, therefore it needs a positive ROI. Because you could put all kinds of sensors on the car, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. But they all don't give you the right information or the needed information. That's that was that's a fascinating way to approach it because in business, yeah, data overload, what do you call infobesity? Infobesity, yep. Love that. <laughs> because that's true. And I've worked in corporate America, right? And oh my, more data is better. It's like, yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> um, give me the data that I need to know that actually moves the needle and we can make better decisions faster, more rapidly. Um, when I have that information and that helps me structure the results because the results aren't always profit. It no, might no. be culture. It could be new market share. It could be lots of things. That's why you have to start with results and then work your way down um, in order to get all this. That's fascinating. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's interesting. because when you look at F formula one racing and all that those there you go are you back i'm back, I'm back. i think my internet <laughs> went out again so um we were just i was just summarizing about how formula one your experience there and everything plays into how you help organizations with performance improvement through this this rapid development process this framework that you've got taking yeah. all of your experiences from being a sausage maker to a, a working with with formula one bringing that to bear on organizations and even individuals to, to really help them grow. Um, where, where can people find you? This has been fantastic, Paul. Um, <laughs> you, you've got, you, you got a different approach to performance and data than I've heard in a, in a really long time. And it's, it's refreshing. So I appreciate that. How do people find out more about you and what you do? Well, the, the easiest place, uh, my website. So paulteasdale.co.uk. Um, and I'm very active on LinkedIn okay. and you, you'll find me on Instagram as well. So, uh, uh, Paul Teasdale, I think I'm under Paul James Teasdale on, uh, on LinkedIn and Instagram as well. So, okay, well, I'll make sure to get your, at least your website and your LinkedIn profile in the show notes so people can find, find you. And from there they can, they can get anything, uh, that they need to understand more about how you can develop a high performing team in your organization and win more of the races that you're in. How about that, Paul? Precisely. Uh, keep it in, the, in that Formula <laughs> One world. Paul, this has been lots of fun. I appreciate you being here. Great insights. And um, I'll, I'll put everything in show notes. And I hope people reach out to you because it's really, really intriguing how you've created this, this rapid um, framework to help with high performance. Thanks for being my guest today. Thanks for having me on, Michael. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to Expert Speak with Michael DeLon. If what you've heard today was helpful to you, reach out to our expert guest 
and see how they can serve you to bring you more success, freedom, and purpose in your life.